This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Last week, we looked at what caused the Protestant founders of our nation to believe in the freedom of religion, in spite of the fact that the churches to which they belonged did not believe in it. They believed in a state church and that their religious beliefs should be enforced by the sword of government. This week, I want to look at some of the biblical principles these men put into our great founding doctrine. Uh, documents. For time's sake, we'll only take a brief overview of each one of the ones that I'm going to look at and a short uh, biblical explanation to why these things are important. Before I get started, though, I would like to add in here a uh, message from my son-in-law, Tom Wallace, with a Fortress of Faith about some things we're doing here in Lenore, North Carolina. Hi, this is Tom Wallace at Fortress of Faith. President Trump recently gave a sobering briefing to the nation, telling us to prepare ourselves for a very tough period ahead. His COVID-19 team are suggesting, preparing us, that America could experience 100,000 deaths to this virus in spite of all their best efforts to limit the growth of this disease. Now, I think we're lucky to live in a nation with great powers and resources, but I can't get this verse out of my mind. Psalms chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I urge you not to put your trust in man in medicine. Thank God we've got these things. But we need to put our trust in the Almighty One, the giver and sustainer of life, and that is God. So would you join us each night in prayer, in praise, in preaching, at the Western Carolina Drive-In Revival that's happening here in Lenore. Last night we filled about one-fourth of our parking lot. We had almost 300 views on Facebook Live. The governor has made allowance for people to leave their homes to go to places of worship. As long as we stay in our cars and stay in less than numbers of 10 in our, in our car, we can do this. We're, we're doing it within the law. Now we're located at the Fairway Shopping Center at the Conley Springs Road exit off of Highway 321 in Lenore. We start at 6 p.m. We finish around 7.30 p.m. We do this every night. We're going to continue until this crisis is over. So again, we're at the Fairway Shopping Center at the Conley Springs Road exit off of Highway 321. This is where Dollars for Missions Thrift Store is located in Whitnall, Lenore. We start at 6 p.m. every night. Tell your friends and let's meet with God. I think what Tom is doing is very important, and I would encourage you, if you can, to join us uh, on those evenings that you uh, can make it. We will be holding this from now, tonight, at 6 o'clock, through uh, the end of this crisis, however long that takes. We need to seek God's face. Now let me get into the message uh, that I want to share with you today. Let's start by looking at the principle that they put into our documents that is called the sovereignty of God, not the sovereignty of state or the sovereignty of man. This principle is found in the Declaration of uh, Independence and in the Constitution of the United States. Psalms 83:18 says that man may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Jehovah is the sovereign ruler of all the earth. 
This means that he has established what is right and what is wrong. He has the right and power to punish those who transgress his precepts. Listen to what God has to say about government in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? Do that which is good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he that beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. All power comes from God. He has ordained civil government, and we are to submit ourselves to it. The purpose of government is to punish those who do evil and praise and protect those who do good. There is a problem with civil government, though. All men are sinners, and civil government is run by men. God has provided instructions for when civil government goes bad. In Acts chapter 5, uh, verse 29, it says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. If there is a conflict between civil government and God's law, God's law is to be followed. As with the three Hebrew children in Daniel, when the government demands something contrary to God's law, we don't comply. But we still submit to the government. Uh, these three faithful men uh, did not comply, and it that meant that they were to be cast into a fiery furnace. I don't think I need to get into the the rest of the story. I think you know how it how it ends. But God may not always choose to deliver us from the trial. He may choose to use the trial to bring us home to be with Him. Whatever His choice is, but we are not to to do that which is wrong. But we are to be submissive to the government in spite of that. The next principle I want to look at is the, exi uh, the existence of objective moral values, fixed standards, and absolute truth, and the sanctity of life. These are found in the Declaration of Independence where it talks about unalienable rights, life, being self-evident truths. Let me just quickly review the Ten Commandments because they're a summer, uh, summary of what it's talking about here. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Our first responsibility is to God and His law. Thou shalt not make unto thee any gra graven image. Nothing should be worshipped but God, and nothing should become or nothing should come between us and God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. There's more to this than just swearing. It has to do with using his name in any kind of a frivolous way. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. One day a week is to be set aside for God. Honor thy father and mother. Uh, in the New Testament, we, are, we learn that this includes obedience to parents. The sixth commandment is thou shalt not kill. This has to do with murder. And by the way, this includes murdering the unborn in the womb. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Keep yourself pure until marriage 
and then be faithful to your spouse for life. Number eight, thou shalt not steal. Steal is taking something that is not yours without permission. It goes further than just taking uh, money from somebody or something like that. It includes stealing your employer's time by doing on his time what uh, what is for your own personal benefit and uh, not doing what you're supposed to be doing there. The ninth one is thou shalt not bear false witness. This has a lot more to do than just telling a lie. For example, when we claim to be a, a Christian and live like the world, we're bearing false witness. We're telling them we believe God and are following his principles when we're not doing so. That's a false witness. And number 10, thou shalt not covet. This has to do with having an improper desire for anything that is not ours, and we're not to covet anything that doesn't belong to us. These commandments are a summary of God's law. They cover everything, but they do need to be fleshed out to fully understand them. And I don't have the time to get into this this morning, but I uh, suggest that you read about them in Exodus chapter 20. There you'll get a lot better understanding, and then through a study of the Bible, you'll flesh them out. These, these are commandments. They're not optional, optional. When we violate them, we suffer consequences. Here's something that really concerns me because it's so common today. In Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, it says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put uh, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Boy, this is something that we're really seeing today when they're calling those who stand for righteousness evil and calling those who live in all kinds of debauchery uh, uh, good. There are some things that are just right and some things that are wrong. It says, woe unto those who reverse this order. Woe is an expression of coming trouble and lamentation. The trouble in our nation comes directly or indirectly from our calling good evil and evil good. Listen to what God had to say in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Now I put this verse in there because I want us to understand that God's law is written in the hearts of men. Have you under, ever wondered why across all various uh, cultures there are some things that are just the same? We know it's wrong to kill. We know it's wrong to take somebody else's wife. There's a lot of things. It's because God has put his law in our hearts. And uh, we try and push those aside so that it doesn't bother us too much, but uh, they're there. Uh, in First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. People will do anything they can to try and uh, avoid the feelings of guilt, and their conscience can be hardened or seared uh, so that they don't feel guilty, and that's wrong. Another principle that they put in there is that all men are sinners. It's found in the constitutional checks and balances. Uh, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no person who is without sin. The essence of sin is selfishness, usually manifest in pride. People are always looking out for themselves, and this includes our political leaders. Here's God's description of the heart of man from Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Because no one can be trusted 
not to let their personal interests influence them, even our leaders, they built checks and balances into the Constitution. Our founders gave each branch of government rights and procedures to check the other two branches. We'll take a look at this a little bit later. Another thing that they put into our founding documents was that all men are created equal. It's found, of course, in the Declaration of Independence. In Job chapter 34 and verse 19, it says, How much less to him that, that accepteth not persons or princes, nor regardeth the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. God does not care whether someone is a prince, a rich man, or a pauper. They're all the same to him. He made us all, and he judges all uh, the same, except that he does expect more from those he gives more. Listen to Luke chapter 12 and verse 48. But he that knew not, and did commit things worthy of stripes, shall be beaten with few stripes, for unto whomsoever much is given, of him much shall be required, and to whom men have committed much, to him they will ask the more. This is not talking about preferring somebody over another or judging differently. It's expecting us to use what God has given us for his glory. Until recently, this was the attitude in America. We have all been given freedom and we used to be expected to use it to bring glory to God. Today this freedom is deemed the right to do whatever we want even when it is contrary to the precepts of God. We expect no consequences for our sin. We think we can sin and just get away with it and nothing's going to happen. By the way, equality in the Bible is equality of opportunity. It is not equality of outcome. The harder one works, the more he profits. The less one works, the less he profits. The left in America wants equality of outcome. This is why instead of giving uh, winners trophies, they give trophies to everyone who participates. This is foolishness since it stifles the desire of people to work hard to improve their station in life. The next principle is the three branches of government it's found in the Constitution. Listen to what God had to say in uh, Isaiah 33:22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Now, I want us to realize from this that God has three areas in which he, he exercises his authority. He, he governs in three different ways, in other words. Let's look at these three parts of God's government. A king is the chief of a sovereign nation. We have a president in America. He is the chief executive officer. He is the one that is responsible for the daily operations of government. He has a check on the legislative branch of government with his veto power. He has a check over the judicial branch by appointing judges and justices in the court system. The legislative branch makes laws. Neither the pre president nor the courts have this power. It has a check over the executive branch by providing oversight and uh, also with the power of impeachment. We just saw that in action. It has a check over the judicial branch by approving the judges and ju uh, justices that the president appoints. 
the judicial branch rules on the constitutionality of the laws and judges on their application of these same laws. These are both checks on the legislative and the executive branch of government. Because of the sin nature of man, our founders built these checks and balances into our system of government in the Constitution. The next principle they built into our Constitution is the freedom of conscience. It's found most importantly in the First Amendment. Uh, we'll find it in First Timothy chapter uh, two, verses one through three. It says, "I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for they that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable." in the sight of God, our Savior. Now, folks, this tells us that the whole purpose of government is to enable people to live quiet and peaceable lives. Each member of society has the right to do as he pleases as long as he does not step on the rights of others. The First Amendment gives freedom to believe what one chooses, to peaceably assemble, to speak uh, as one pleases, and to seek redress from the government uh, when their rights are trampled on by another. It also gives us the freedom of the press. The next principle I want to look at is the Republican form of government. It's found in the Constitution. It may surprise you, that, but our Republican form of government is found in the Bible. We first find it in Exodus chapter 18 verse 21. This is uh, Moses' father-in-law giving him advice. He says, Moreover thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, and rulers of fifty, and rulers of tens. Now, like I say, this is Moses' father-in-law giving advice to Moses, but he told him to take God-fearing men, men that could be trusted, and sent them, set them to be rulers over different sized groups. We have uh, local uh, politicians, and we have state politicians, we have federal politicians. The same principle is, is at work there. In our elections, we choose representatives to make uh, decisions on running our nation. By the way, America is not, never was intended to be, a democracy. It is a democratic republic. It means we choose people and we let them make the decisions. We have to be very careful who we choose so we get people in office who will make the proper decisions. Sadly, we're not doing that today. Since that was Moses' father-in-law, uh, you might question whether this is really what we should be doing. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 13, it's the accounting of the com uh, conversation between Moses and God. And it says, Take ye wise men, and understanding, and uh, known among your tribes, and I will make them rulers over you. So he's telling Moses to choose out the right kind of people for uh ruling over the people in smaller groups. It was more than one man could handle, and God was giving him some relief on that. There is a big problem with this system, however, and it's that we have ceased to choose godly men. Instead, we choose those who promise to give us the most from government. If we would choose leaders who stand for righteousness instead of leaders who 
promised to give us things, we could turn this whole nation around. I remember back when President Obama was elected that he was promising to give everybody a cell phone. And if you remember afterwards, there was a lady on TV that was complaining, where's my cell phone? But that's what people have learned. Our founding fathers were afraid of this. Uh, they knew that there would uh, be a great problems if the people ever learned that they could vote themselves a paycheck or gift from the government. And what do you think the welfare system is all about? And why do you think those who just want to stay in power want to keep people on welfare? So they have power over them. You, if you're on welfare, you need the government. If you're self-sufficient, you don't. And so that's a principle that the founding fathers tried to, to instill in our, in our founding documents, but you can't control people's votes. The next thing I want to look at is the importance of governing self and family as the first form of governance. It's found in the first, the second, the ninth, and the tenth amendments of the Constitution. It's also found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'm sure most of you know this passage. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Boy, I wish I had time to spend on this passage of Scripture alone, but I, I need to get through the rest of this, uh, this message. Knowing the sinfulness of man, our founders knew that something had to control the sinful passions of the citizens if they wanted to have freedom. It would either be the government, meaning they would not have freedom, because the government would have to tell them everything they could do, or it had to be religion. And the Founding Fathers thought that religion was Christianity, by the way. When there is a fear of God, people do what is right. When there is no fear of God, they follow their own sinful lusts. And it's our obligation before God to offer ourselves as a total sacrifice, body, soul, and spirit to God, and to serve Him and do that which is right. And we are to renew our minds by spending time in His Word and learning what He expects of us. This next point I want to make wasn't by the Founding Fathers. It came later on when the government started imposing income tax on us, which, by the way, the Founding Fathers did not put that in our documents. It required a constitutional amendment to do it. But they taxed families less than single people. Well, there was a reason for that. They knew that good families raised responsible children. And since they raised responsible children, it lessened the burden on government in law enforcement. They didn't have to spend as much money on having a police force to police people who got in trouble because less people got in trouble because they were raised to be responsible uh, people. The problem today in America is the family is broken down. We've gotten away from this principle, and that's why there's so much crime. Uh, people may not realize this. But back in the days when everybody carried guns, back in the days of the Old West, you watch the movies, there's crime everywhere. The truth of the matter is crime was about 7% of what it is today, especially violent crime. And we need to go back to the days when people are taught to be responsible by being raised in a godly home. Until we get there, this nation is in trouble. Another uh, thing they put in the Constitution was a fair trial with uh, proper witnesses 
and with a presumption of innocence. In the 17, late 1700s, this was something that was unheard of. It's found in the Sixth Amendment. It's also found in Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. It says, But if he will not hear thee, take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. Now, if you're familiar with that passage, it's talking about how we're supposed to deal with those that, that offend us, but there are a lot of passages in the Old Testament that I could have used that talk about uh, things having to be established by at least two witnesses. Uh, our Constitution requires a trial by jury, a trial by our peers, where the accused can bring in witnesses in his defense. It also requires a presumption of innocence until guilt is proven. In other words, it's not the defendant's responsibility to prove he's innocent. It's the state's responsibility to prove he's guilty. Today, because of the left and because of political correctness, guilt is often determined by accusation. Someone makes an accusation, you must be guilty. If someone accuses another of childhood abuse or sexual misconduct, they are presumed to be guilty just because they were accused. All that it takes to have your children taken away from you is an accusation of guilt. We saw a good man's life almost destroyed when he was up for approval to become a Supreme Court Justice simply because he was accused of sexual abuse. All of the accusations were shown to be false, but many especially those on the left, assumed he must have been guilty because he was accused. And by the way, many of them still believe he was guilty, even though the accusations were proven to be false. Our founding documents also confirm the fact of creation, not evolution. That was the position held by our founding fathers. It's found in the De Declaration of Independence when it says, uh, we are endowed of certain inalienable rights by our Creator. In Genesis chapters 1 and chapter 2, we're given an account of how the world was created. A careful study of these chapters and an honest look at what they say will find that they fit perfectly with what science really knows, not what it assumes, not scientific theories, but what it really knows. Back in the 1980s, there was a meeting of 160 of the world's top evolutionary scientists in Chicago, Illinois. At the conclusion of the meeting, they made a statement, and they said in that statement that all of the existing theories of evolution were scientifically impossible. By the way, that's still true today. Had they ended their statement at that point, they would have been true scientists but they did not. They went on to say that they knew evolution was a fact, they just didn't know its mechanism. Its mechanism would be how it happened. If they didn't know the mechanism, how did they know that it happened in the first place? For evolution to have happened, it would have had to violate known laws of science. For example, the second law of thermodynamics says that everything left to itself increases in disorder, not order, which evolution would require. When they said they knew it happened without any proof, they became priests 
for the uh, uh, secular humanist religion. In uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and is invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and he was before all things, and by him all things consist. God is not only the creator of the universe, he is the one who holds it all together. The word consist means to hold together. According to what we know about electrical charges, the universe should explode. But something greater than that power is holding it together, and that something is the power of God. In conclusion, just let me say this. Our nation was founded by men who, for the most part, were God-fearing Christians. They enshrined biblical principles into our founding docu documents. They even corrected the theological errors of their, the churches to which they were members of in these documents. The churches did not change, but these men did. They did so because of the influence of Baptists. It's time that we as Baptists return to our roots and begin again to have the influence we should have in this nation. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.